Welcome to the Joseph Z. Audio Podcast. For more information about this and other resources, go to josephz.com. Well, welcome and good morning. Got a lot to talk to you about today, and I think this is going to be very helpful for you. I'm Joseph Z. You can follow me. Go on to Joseph Z on Facebook. You can also do josephz.com, become part of the ministry, do all those things there. But I have a really cool thing to talk to you about this morning. I think this is going to really help you. I'm going to talk about Jesus being our righteousness and Jesus being the foundation of everything we believe and why we believe what we believe, because it's in Jesus. Man, our righteousness is in Jesus. And when you get your righteousness figured out in Jesus, it's a really powerful understanding. So we're going to talk about the foundation of our righteousness this morning. We've been talking about the fullness, living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, living full of the Holy Ghost and all these things. And today we're going to talk about the foundational part of Jesus being our righteousness. And anything that's outside of Jesus as our righteousness does not give us the right access to being full of the Holy Ghost. You can be full of the Holy Ghost and not be full of Jesus, and you can be uh, a legalist. And so we're going to just step into this this morning. I think it's going to really help you. And uh, we're going to do a little foundational gospel tune-up this morning. Praise God. Now, this is going to really help you today. And I believe that the righteousness of God is going to flow through you. And, you know, our, our gifts, everything that we are called to do by God are activated on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And when you have that foundation of Jesus intact, all the other stuff works. It begins to work very well when you have that foundation in place. Many people say in the New Testament, you got to keep all the commandments of God. How many of you know that we're called to keep the commandments of God? We're supposed to keep the commandments. And many people talk about keeping the commandments, but we've got to understand something very powerful. The commandments of God are fulfilled in Jesus. Now, the law was not wiped away. The law was not wiped away, not gone, but fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is your righteousness. Now, in people talk about this, then they say, yeah, but then I read the Bible and I see, or we got to keep the commandments. We got to keep all these things. We got to do this. We got to do that. And we got to really do all these things to be pleasing before God. Well, let me say something to you very clearly. The only way you are pleasing before God is if you're in Jesus. If you're not in Jesus, forget about being pleasing to God. You need to be in Jesus Christ. And when you're in Jesus, you become pleasing to God because he sees Jesus. Listen to me. In the Old Testament, or when Jesus, you know, yesterday I saw pillars of smoke that looked Old Testament. It was so big. I've never seen forest fires like that. Uh, you know, I grew up in Minnesota. I've never been on the, you know, this this side of the Wild West and seeing all these things in Colorado where things were happening with the, the fires this big. And literally, the fires are so big, uh, covering 4,000 to 5,000 acres. And I went to go look at this. We stood on foothills and looked at these fires, and they were so huge. And I'm looking at that, and I, I was reminded, you know, and I'm praying for the safety of all the people involved and all that. But the imagery I got of that is the Old Testament when God would appear to the children of Israel by a fire in the nighttime, but a pillar of smoke in the daytime. And I saw these pillars of smoke, and I thought, man, that's what the children of Israel, when they saw God, that's how they saw him. And in the Old Testament, when God would appear into the natural, he'd come from the spirit, pure spirit, into pure natural. In other words, pure holiness confronting pure, pure fallen man. It would be like fire and smoke and, and thunder and all kinds of terrifying things, that that's how they would view God in the Old Testament. And it was God, and yet it was man, but there was no mediator 
between God and man in the Old Testament. So when God would appear to mankind, he would appear like fire and thunder. And every time he spoke, the children of Israel cried out and said, don't let him talk anymore, Moses. Don't let God speak again. You know, they, and Moses even said in the book of Hebrews, he was terrified and trembling with fear from encountering God. Now, he encountered God in pure holiness in the Old Testament when there was no Jesus. And I'm trying to say this as simply as I can. In the Old Testament, when God appeared to man, unless he came in the form of a man, like in a, uh, like a, uh, a, a type or a shadow, like he appeared as a man for a moment, but when he appeared in the burning bush or he appeared <clears throat> in, in all these different things and he appeared as God just trying to touch mankind, it appeared as fire on the mountain. It appeared as thunder. It appeared as shaking. It was terrifying for people to come into direct contact with God's holiness. God's pure holiness in spirit form, touching mankind is a terrifying thing for pure man. <clears throat> because there was no mediator. So in the New Testament, Jesus said, if you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. The same God that appeared on Sinai, the same God that appeared in a cloud or a fire and earthquakes and terrifying things in the Old Testament that would appear before men and scare them nearly to death is the same God that was living inside of Jesus speaking to mankind. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And all these people were terrified of him in the Old Testament. The, the children of Israel, they said, Moses, please don't let one more word be spoken from the mountain. When God came down on Sinai and it was black, the cloud of darkness covered Sinai and it shook it with earthquakes. And God said, if even as much as a goat or an animal touches the foot of the mountain, it must be killed because of his holiness. He couldn't tolerate anything that wasn't remotely clean. And the thing is, nothing was clean. Nothing's clean in this world without Jesus. And so <clears throat> in the Old Testament, we get this picture that God's this brooding, angry individual wanting to kill everybody. But what it was is his pure holiness trying desperately to touch his children. Pure holiness is coming from heaven, just holiness that had no ability to be reconciled, but God in his pure holy form would come into the natural. And if pure holiness touches sin, sin recoils. Sin's response to pure holiness or fallenness is terror. It is, it's the same way today when, when demons see Jesus or they touch the anointing. They recoil in fear. They scream. They cry out. And all these things happen. Sickness has to leave. Darkness has to go. Now, in the Old Testament, there there was no mediator between God and man. It was God and man. And Moses was kind of like a type of mediator that would be a messenger between the people, or God used prophets to speak between him and the people because he couldn't speak directly to people. If he did and he spoke from heaven, it sounded like shouting. It sounded like terror. It sounded like thunder and lightning terrifying people or killing them. It says, you know, that's why God said to Moses, no man can see my face and live. Nobody can see me and live in my direct holiness. It'll kill you, Moses. It'll kill you. And so here's what we got to realize. Jesus comes and he comes in the New Testament. And when he stands between God and man, it's not because God's so angry and he hated mankind, wanted to hurt mankind. It's because there was no mediator. There was no bridge. There was no connection between God and man that, that literally could reconnect God to Adam or mankind. And uh, nobody was there. So Jesus had to come pay the price. We understand that. And Jesus now is showing that God the Father is all love. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Jesus said. You've seen me, you've seen all these 
these things. The same God that terrified the children of Israel, terrified the enemies of God, terrified all these people in the Old Testament, the same God that said, kill them all in the Old Testament because he needed the bloodline to be pure. He needed all these things to happen is the same God that's inside Jesus displaying love to mankind. It's because the mediator had to come. Now, in Jesus, when you're in him, God's love for you is totally uh, focused. It's single-minded on what Jesus paid for you, and it's totally done in him. Now, I've been talking about living full of the Holy Ghost. we got to be full of the Holy Ghost, and we do, but that has to do with the renewing of our mind, being filled up with the Holy Ghost every day by speaking in tongues, by doing these things, but that's to keep our mind and our heart lined up with Jesus Christ, okay? That's to stay full of what he's already given us. Now, let's talk about, before we jump into being full of the Holy Ghost further, uh, let's jump back into what we already have. Let's talk about what you already have in Jesus. Let's talk about what Jesus actually gave you at the cross. Let's talk about who you are and where you're coming from and what you are when you walk into a room, when you're filled with Jesus, when you've received Jesus, who are you and what are you walking in? What kind of authority do you carry? What is your pedigree? What are you coming from? Now we got to understand this. Now, first and foremost, let's say this. People many times talk about, you've got to keep the commandments to please God. You've got to keep the commandments. And people talk about the, the Old Testament commandments. They say there's 10 commandments. There's 10 commandments that you've got to keep. Ladies and gentlemen, there's not just 10 commandments or laws when you mix it all together. Let me just talk to you about this very quickly. There's not just 10 commandments. Listen to me very clearly. There's not just 10 of them. There is 613 Old Testament laws when you combine them all together. I know that there's 10 that really stand out forefront, but there is 613 of them, okay? 613 laws. Listen to me. <clears throat> Everybody that says you've got to be righteous by keeping all the commandments, you've got to be righteous, you've got to stand in, in the commandments, you've got to do that. There's 613 of them that you've got to keep. Now listen to me very carefully. You've got to really come to the recognition that it says in the book of James, I believe James chapter 2, verse 10, it says in James 2, 10, it says, if you break the law at one point, at one point, if you break any of the law, any of it, at one point, you're guilty of all of it. James 2, 10 says, if you break the law, even at one point, you're guilty of the whole thing, okay? So if you don't know all 613 laws, if you don't know all 613 of them, you're breaking it. You're breaking it right now. And if you don't even know it, that means somehow you're breaking it. You don't, you don't even know the law. And the truth is, when you begin to recognize you can't keep the law in the natural, the law was not given for us to, be, uh, to maintain all of it. Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds, goes above that of the Pharisees and Sadducees, unless your righteousness goes above it, you will by no means make it, okay? And he didn't even qualify the Pharisees. He said, unless your righteousness goes above them. In other words, the, the Pharisees were the ones that kept the law to the letter. They, they kept it uh, since they were young. They did everything they knew to do, and they weren't good enough. They weren't good enough. And he was saying, unless your righteousness goes beyond them, you still can't, you can't make it. So what am I saying? I'm saying this. The commandments that people preach, you must do this, you must do that, you must do this, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep the commandments, you gotta do all these things. I'm telling you right now, the commandments were not there to say, keep all these. The commandments were given to prove everyone guilty. 
<clears throat> That's the reason the law is here. The law was given so everybody went, oh my gosh, I can't do this. The law was given so we all looked around and went, I, I can't do this. I can't do it. And the Lord said, bingo. That's correct. You can't keep all these commandments. I gave all these laws so you went, I can't do it. And then you finally cry out in your humility and say, I need Jesus. I need a Savior or I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it without Jesus. And if you don't get that belief system in place, you are a Pharisee, you are a legalist, and you are under the law. And if you're under the law, you're literally under condemnation. You're under condemnation. So the only way you defeat all these things is you get under Jesus. You get in Jesus. You, you, you're in Christ. His words abide in you. You abide in him. And then, and then it begins to work. Your righteousness begins to work when it's in Jesus. When it's in Jesus. Praise God. I've got to tell you, Jesus is your righteousness. Jesus is your righteousness. Now, all these people that say, you got to live holy. you got to walk the line. you got to do all these things. Now, if you're in Jesus, that should be a byproduct of your righteousness in him. The grace of God teaches us, the grace of God in Jesus teaches us to deny ungodliness, teaches us to walk uprightly. But if you're trying to walk uprightly with the wrong revelation of what the law's relationship is and the, your relationship to the law, you are a legalist and you are under the condemnation of the law and you will be full of confusion. You'll have the covenants all mixed up. You'll have a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new, and you won't know who you are. And you're going to walk around in circles trying to figure out, do I need to pray more? Do I need to intercede more? Do I need to cry out day and night until God just begins to touch me? What do I got to do, Jesus? And you'll be confused. You'll be spiritually dyslexic or spiritually schizophrenic. And you'll be walking around mixing up the covenants, not knowing who you are. Now, I love to preach on the spirit-filled life. I love to preach staying full of the Holy Ghost. But if we do not understand that it all comes from the foundation of the finished works of Jesus, then... Anything that you do without that foundation in place will turn you into a legalist. It'll turn you into a person that is literally under the law, and you'll start to preach that way, and there'll be an edge on you, and you won't have the right breakthrough for people. And they tried to do that to Paul. When Paul first got the message of Jesus, he got the message of grace, and he began to preach it. They began to say to him, Paul, you got to water this down just a little, because we got a lot of new believers that are Jewish, and they're coming into the way or the belief system of Jesus but, you know, they still keep their laws and their commandments. And you got to just kind of mix it up just a little. And Paul tried. He tried. And all they did is get angrier. And then they went and took him. I think it's like in Acts 15 where Paul tried to work with them. And, you know, basically in the end he said, I tried to work with you people. I'm trying to make this stuff happen. You know, and all that. But I've got to tell you, if your foundation is on anything other than Jesus Christ and you're trying to be righteous based on what you do, you're trying to be righteous based on what the commandments say and all these things. And you're running to the commandments, but not running to Jesus. I'll tell you what, you're under the law. And that law will condemn you because no, no law can you keep without Jesus. It's so hard. And, and it's not designed for you to keep. The law is supernatural. It's perfect. And listen to me, I'm not negative on the law. The law is awesome. The law is the most fine, perfect thing that's ever been written down, and it's the highest standard in all of humanity. But at the end of the day, we were not designed to keep the law. We're designed to be righteous in Jesus Christ. And when you're righteous in Jesus Christ, the law you begin to keep in your sleep. You keep it in your sleep. 
And that's how this works. And let me give you some scriptures. I said a lot of stuff, but let me give you some scriptures. The Lord, I got up this morning and I was going to preach on different things. And the Lord just really put it on me. He said, I want you to talk about the grace of God. I want you to talk about Jesus and his finished works. I said, okay, I'm on it. And so <clears throat> here's what we got to understand. Let me talk about this. People say, what are the New Testament commandments? What are the New Testament uh, commandments? What do we do in the New Testament? You know, there's all these laws. You got to do all these things. Listen to me. John chapter 6 is very clear about this. The disciples said, Lord, what are the works of God? In John chapter 6, verse, I believe, 28, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, what are the works of God? What are the works of God? The disciples were asking Jesus. They said, look, we know how we were raised in this Jewish culture. We know how we were raised to believe in the Torah and the Old Testament commandments and all these things. What are the works that you prescribe for us to do now that we're with you as our, our leader, Lord? What are the works you prescribe? What should we do? And listen now, John chapter 6 and verse 28, that's what they asked Jesus. What are the works you want us to do? And Jesus said in verse 29, he said, the works that I ask you to do or the commandments or the works that I ask you to do are to believe in him or God and also to believe in the one whom he sent. Now listen, this is what Jesus said. Here's the works of the New Testament believer. To believe in God, you must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, Hebrews says, but then also believe in the one whom he sent, period. Now, it goes beyond that. Jesus gives more works, but he said this. This is the foundational, fundamental way that we walk in righteousness. Believe in God and believe in his son. That's the commandment of God. That's the commandment of God. That's the commandment of God. Now, let me go over here to 1 John chapter 3. Let me see if I can find this in my Bible. I wrote down a bunch of scriptures, and I have them all over the place here. 1 John chapter 3, listen to me. We're talking about commandments. We're talking about doing the work of God. We're talking about being uh, pleasing before the Lord. Uh, 1 John chapter 3. Let me read this to you this morning. 1 John chapter 3, this is so good. I'll tell you what, this is going to wake you up on the inside. You get this in your spirit, it's going to blow your mind. And it's going to break religion off of you. And then when you go pray, and then you, go, you, you activate that spirit-filled lifestyle, and then you do these things, you're doing it from the right side of the cross, and you win. You know, you do it the other way, and you get under righteous, uh, you know, self-righteousness, and you begin to go through all these things. You're going to say, well, I just got to follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I got to go with the leading and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me talk to you about that, too, in a little bit, about what the real conviction of the Holy Spirit is for the New Testament. Now, hold on one moment here. I'm getting ahead of myself. First John chapter 3. Praise God. Oh, I just, I, I just, I could read this whole chapter, and it would just do so much good for everybody. First John chapter three, though, let's start out here. It says, uh, praise God, verse 19. I'm going to get a running start at it this way. First John chapter three, verse 19. By this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. We need to assure our hearts before him. Now, we know we're of the truth because Jesus laid down his life for us and all these things that it leads up to. But it says, we know that we are of the truth and we must assure our hearts before him. Verse 20, for if our heart condemns us, listen to me, verse 20, if our heart condemns us, if your heart condemns you, you need to know something. You need to know that God is greater than your heart and he knows all things. Verse 21, beloved, listen to me, 
Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Confidence gives you authority. Verse 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. Now, here we go. Listen. Now, it says here in the, in the Word of God, I've heard many people preach on this. I actually preached this one time uh, in a church I had planted. I was preaching this, and my dear friend Joshua Coley was there. I put this scripture up on a screen, and I began to teach from it. And Josh said, oh, this message of grace is so good, Joe. But, you know, if you're going to preach this, don't, don't go to 1 John chapter 3. Don't preach that. You're going to unravel this really great message you have. It's going to hurt you, brother. He's like, don't go there. <laughs> it was so great. And so I began to preach it. And then after we got done, he said, that was really good. <laughs> you know. But uh, he said, you don't want to go to this one. This, this one here, it's like contrary. Because, you know, we all have these scriptures in the back of our mind that we hear grace preached. We hear the word of God preached. And in the back of our mind, we think, Mm, I know, but that, that's really good. But but if you preach this one that I know about over here, this scripture over here, it's not going to be good. It's going to unravel this whole teaching you have. I love what you're saying, but don't go to James. Don't go to First John. Don't go to Peter. No, no. You know, it's not true. When you go to the scripture and you read it through the lens of Jesus, it all works together. Now listen to me. And, and of course, Josh, I laugh about that because Josh is such a good preacher, such a man of God, bringing the gospel, the pure gospel to people right Right on the streets, on the streets, and he's having great fruit seeing people live. And uh, I gotta say, I just love that brother so much, and he makes me laugh because we have such a good relationship. Okay, anyway, here we are. First uh, John chapter three, verse twenty-one. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Verse twenty-two. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. We receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now listen to me very carefully. It goes on to say this. Now, when you read this, verse 22, if I got up and started screaming this scripture right now, and if I was on a, in a pulpit and I was like, oh, you got to keep these commandments. You got to get out there and you got to keep the commandments of God. Whatever you ask, you receive from him because you keep his commandments. And if I went off about that, started screaming about keeping his commandments and be pleasing in his sight, you keep his commandments and be pleasing in his sight. Then you receive the blessing. Then you get all this stuff. Then you get this and that. But they don't read the rest of the verses. They don't read the rest of the verses. Now, listen. Verse 22, if I got up and started screaming this verse, I stood on this verse and I began to say, you got to keep his commandments to get whatever you need from God. If you're not keeping his commandments, you're not going to receive anything from God. And I began to hammer on this and hammer on this and hammer on it. People would say, oh, I got to go read the Old Testament. I got to get under the Ten Commandments. I got to do all these things. I got to keep all these laws. I got to do the stuff that God has prescribed in the whole Bible. If I don't keep his commandments, I won't receive anything from him. But listen, they stop there. And religion wants to stop you there because then it keeps you under its thumb. But they don't go on to verse 23, where it describes and talks clearly about what it is to keep his commandments. Okay? Let me say verse 22 one more time, and we'll run into verse 23. So I'm in 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Verse 23, I love this. It goes on to say, and this is, this is, listen now, this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, 
and love one another as he gave us commandment. So his commandment is to believe on Jesus. And to do those things that are pleasing in his sight is to love one another. Boom. Boom. Somewhere on this broadcast, a religious sleeping cow was just tipped over. Moo. <laughs> That's so awesome. So you got to understand this. That's what you got to understand. We begin to go through all this. And, and we realize, uh, verse 24 goes on to say, Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Now you get into this and you start realizing that the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and we keep standing in Jesus, and we, we, feel it, we, we live a full Spirit-filled lifestyle, we're walking that through with the Holy Ghost in relationship with him. The Holy Ghost will always bear witness of Jesus. The Holy Ghost will always bear witness of Jesus. He will always confirm the fact that you are filled with Jesus. You are, you are in him, and he is in you. John chapter 15 talks about my if if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask anything ask anything and it'll be given to you the word of god being in you is the the, the testimony of jesus the holy spirit in you testifies that you are saved jesus is in you and that's why we need to live a full uh, spirit-filled life during the daytime in the nighttime we need to be filled with the holy ghost we need to renew our mind to the holy ghost because faith comes by hearing faith comes it comes it comes it doesn't stack up up, we got to keep filling ourselves with faith. But notice it says before these verses in 1 John chapter 3, it says, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. God goes beyond our heart. And all these things that we try to deal with, we think, oh, I'm not really filled with the Lord. Today, I feel like I, I don't even know if I'm saved today. I don't even know if I have the Holy Ghost. I don't know if I have this. God knows all things and he looks beyond your inadequacy. But you will not experience the liberation power of Jesus if you do not renew your mind and stay filled up with the Holy Ghost and renew your heart to believe rightly on a daily basis basis. That's why we do these lives. That's why I do this broadcast, because I believe in discipleship. I believe in people being strong in who they are in Jesus. Now listen, we recognize this. We just realized, here's a recap, we realized keeping the commandments of God means two things. Simply put, it means believing in the one whom he sent, believing in Jesus Christ as your righteousness, as your king. You believe in Jesus and you love one another. That is the commandments of God and that is doing what is pleasing in his sight. That's it. That's it. New Testament commandment, believe in Jesus. And Jesus said it earlier in John chapter 6, verse 29, believe in God and believe in the one he sent. These are the commandments of God in the New Testament. When you're in Jesus, listen to me. Now, every time you read, you keep the righteous requirements of the law. You must keep the commandments. You must do these things. But look at what Jesus said. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 29, and look at how John confirmed it in, in 1 John chapter 3. You, the way you keep the commandments, if you're in John chapter 15, you abide in him and his words abide in you. If you are in Christ, you're keeping the commandments. You're keeping the commandments. These are the commandments. Believe in me and love one another. That's New Testament. 
That's the commandments. So whenever you're reading anything in the New Testament, listen to me, wherever you're reading anything in the New Testament and anything that starts to get on you and you say, you got to do this, 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 and you see it in the New Testament, you see them preaching different parts of the law and different parts of the commandments. Yes, we're supposed to keep those. They're righteous and they're good and we need to keep them, but you don't keep them by directly attacking the commandment and saying, I'm going to do that. You do it by saying, I'm in Jesus Christ. I'm righteous. I am the righteousness of God. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. And when you become the righteousness of God, you look at every other scripture in the New Testament and old through the lens of the finished works of Jesus Christ. This is good news. This is good news, man. When you get this in your spirit, you get this in your heart, it doesn't set you free to sin. It sets you free from sin and you begin to become strong and you walk more holy than you've ever walked before. The only way you don't live holy in the natural when you hear these things is when you don't renew your mind and you start thinking, well, I'm as righteous as I'm ever going to get, so I might as well do whatever I want. If you do that, you're pure stupid. You're just flowing in stupidity. You need to flow in Jesus. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. The more abundantly part means you fulfill the law in your sleep and you can literally have all the benefits and the blessings of keeping all his commandments by living in him. Praise God. People say, well, you talk about Deuteronomy and you say there's all the blessings there, but you know, if you don't keep and you don't obey him, there's a lot of curses in that scripture too. I know that, but Galatians chapter three says Jesus Christ has redeemed us from all the curse of the law. You know, you look at this stuff. So any curse in the Old Testament does not belong to you. It cannot touch you because you're in Jesus. If you're in Jesus, the curse is broken. There is no curse that can touch you unless you want to go play around with it and you give access to it, but it doesn't even have a right to touch your righteous spirit. But if you go play around with stuff, you're going to have the benefits of it in the natural, the negative benefits. You're going to bear negative fruit in the natural. But if you stay in Jesus, you keep renewing your mind to Jesus. God knows all things and he's greater than your foolish heart, even when you're in Christ. So when you're in Christ, the whole battle is to strive to enter his rest and keep renewing your mind to what you already possess. Praise God. Now, if you get this understanding in you, it'll set you free, ladies and gentlemen. You'll start living freely and lightly. You'll start being nice to people. You'll start loving people. And then when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you'll love them even more. Praise God. And you'll begin to win. I hope you hear me today. This is the gospel. This is literally the fundamental of the gospel. And you begin to love people from the fundamentals of the gospel. And now you're acting like a real believer. This stuff is impossible in the natural. It's impossible in your natural man. But when you're in Jesus and your whole revelation is in him, it's finished in him, then you're keeping all the commandments. 613 laws in your sleep. You're keeping them all. Praise God. So, I'm going to give you some more here. I'm going to, I'm going to walk this through. Now, people say in the, in the body of Christ, they say, well, the Holy Ghost convicts us. The Holy Ghost convicts us. Man, I feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And I use these terminologies. I understand the terminology. I understand the heart of it. I understand all these things. But listen to me very clearly. The Holy Spirit does not come to convict you of sin. It's going to, some people are not going to like this, but this is Bible. Okay? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of one thing. He's not coming to convict the world and say, you're wrong for drinking too much, smoking too much, uh, chewing too much, going with these people, sleeping around too much. He doesn't come to convict the world of that. 
And that's, that's what people preach. They say, you're living an immoral lifestyle and you need to repent. That's true. You do need to repent. But that is not what's sending people to hell. Did you know that people will pay the full penalty of all sin when they die? But there's one reason they'll pay that. There's one reason and one reason only. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin, but it's not of all these sins. It's of one sin. Only one. The Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin, and in John chapter 16, verse 9, he comes to convict the world of the sin of not receiving Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, the sin of not receiving Jesus. It says in John 16 and verse 9, there's only one thing the Comforter comes to do, convict the world of the sin of not receiving Jesus. And that's what he convicts the world of, uh, not receiving Jesus. In other words, when they hear Jesus, they're like, oh, I don't know. There's something that you could say any other name of any other leader of any other belief system, everything from Buddha to Muhammad to whatever. And you can say, Harry Krishna, you can yell Bob's uncle. You can say anything, okay? In the name of Bob's uncle, you need to turn, you know, and all that. And it won't do anything. People aren't offended by that. It doesn't do anything like that. But when you say the name of Jesus, you say the name of Jesus, something happens. Why is it that only Jesus's name is used as a curse word in this world? Only the name of Jesus. Jesus is used as a curse word. The reason is, it's because it's the only one that deserves a counterfeit. It's the only name that deserves a counterfeit because it's the only real name. If you ever saw a counterfeit paper bag, have you ever seen a counterfeit paper bag uh, going down the road? Have you ever gone to the grocery store, grabbed a paper bag and went, oh, don't use that one. It's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit paper bag. No, you never see a counterfeit paper bag. You never see counterfeit paper bags because there's no value in a paper bag. But you do see counterfeit money because there's value in money. There's counterfeit paper money and they got to use a marker on the money sometimes you pay with to check and see if it's, if it's legit. The same is true. The reason there's counterfeits of things, the only thing that has a counterfeit is things of value. The reason people use Jesus' name in vain is because, or they swear and use it as a curse word, is because it's the only godly, righteous, religious name that has any value. Any other name, any other name out there, they don't use as a curse word. They don't use as a curse word. The reason they do, don't is because the real names out there, the other religious names, have no value, no real value. And that's why you never hear nobody cursing in the name of Buddha. You never hear people curse in the name of Muhammad. You never hear people curse in the name of Hare Krishna. You never hear people curse in the name of Bob's uncle. And the reason you don't hear that is because there's no value in those names. There's no value in them. But the name above all names is the name of Jesus Christ. And when you're in him, that's when you begin to have total redemptive power. That's when you begin to realize. Now, the name of Jesus has real power in the world. The name of Jesus has real horsepower. That's why people respond to it. People respond to the name of Jesus negatively, positively. They don't know what to do with the name of Jesus. Now, when you hear these things, then you recognize that literally when people use the name of Jesus, there's something that happens in people's hearts around the world. And that's what the Holy Spirit is speaking through. Now, that's what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit brings conviction to the world of only one sin and one sin only. Not about all the bad things they're doing. People know they're in sin. The only conviction the Holy Spirit is bringing to the world is the conviction of not receiving Jesus. He's convicting the world of the sin of rejecting Jesus. Uh, John 16, verse 9. 
That is the conviction the Holy Spirit's bringing. Praise God. And the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is leading us towards Jesus. He's the comforter. He's always pointing us to Jesus. He's not coming and saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. As a matter of fact, when we have bad things happening inside of us or we feel terrible and all these things are happening inside of us, it says in 1 John chapter 3, it says our own hearts are condemning us. It's our own hearts that are condemning us. And God, who knows all things, he knows if you're in Jesus or not. He knows all things and he is greater than our heart. But the part we must get right is we've got to begin to learn to teach our heart to not condemn us by getting ourselves uncluttered and focusing on Jesus, focusing on the righteousness that he's given us, and then you are set free from sin, not to sin. I hope this makes sense. I'm saying it the best I know how to say it, but Jesus has set you at liberty. Jesus paid it all. And if you can understand this today, you're going to have freedom. You're going to live freely and lightly. And then when you walk, then when you walk in in the fullness of the gospel, then when you walk in a full spirit-filled lifestyle, then you're going to have real horsepower. Then you're going to see miracles easy. Then you're going to see overcoming things easy. You're going to see breakthrough easy. You're going to start seeing more of these things in an easier way. Uh, before the, you used to, you used to think, I got to cry out and I got to, I got to really get righteous. I got to just get righteous before God. You're as righteous as you're ever going to get if you're in Jesus. You're as holy as you're ever going to get if you're in Jesus. Listen to me. People say you got to get righteous. No, you got to get your thinking corrected, but that has nothing to do with your righteousness. If you're in Christ, stop insulting the spirit of Jesus by saying, I'm not righteous. You are righteous. You are the righteousness of God. And it's not about coming in and out of that righteousness, that you come in and out of your thinking, the way your heart feels, the way your heart condemns you or doesn't condemn you. But God's above that. He's not riding that that ride with you. God is not riding the ride of how you feel. God is consistent. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you are righteous in him. God never moves. He stays that position with you. Now you have got to renew that mind. If you've done something really stupid and you've done sin and you've done all these things, correct that. Get your mind in order and stop making your heart condemn you. Sin will make your own heart condemn you and make you feel unrighteous before God. But in Christ, you're pure. You're you're pure. And now if you're in sin, you can get calloused. You can start getting all messed up. You can start reaping the benefits of an ungodly, unrighteous, uh, carnal person. You can live like the devil. You can experience all the stuff of the devil. And you can have all these things. But in your spirit, man, you're still righteous. Now, do I think you can lose your salvation? I do. I think you can walk out of salvation if you want to. I do. And that's a whole other teaching. I don't want to go down that road. And if people don't agree with me, I don't really care. Here's my view on the word of God. And if you have your view and you have a conviction about it, I respect that. But here's what I want to say to you. Your righteousness is predicated on Jesus and Jesus Christ only. Okay? Now, I'm a trichotomist. I believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When I say Jesus only, I'm talking about for righteousness sake. Now, when I'm talking about Jesus, Jesus firmly, Jesus firmly uh, is our righteousness. And when we're in him and we put our faith in him, I'll tell you what, you can be a mess, you can be doing stupid stuff, but you put your faith in Jesus, you renew your mind, and you can be righteous and build confidence with him overnight if you begin to uh, rest in him and you go towards what's already done in you. I got to tell you, this is truth. This is truth. Now, immature people will choke on this teaching because they'll go, well, I got to live better to be better. No, you got to put your trust in Jesus. Now, if you're putting your trust in Jesus, that means you're putting your trust in the grace 
grace of God. And when you're putting your trust in the grace of God, the grace of God, as Timothy says, or, or Titus says, it will teach you to deny ungodliness. Grace will not teach you to go after ungodliness. Grace does not give you the ability to go, well, I can just do whatever I like. Then you're not truly in grace. If you're truly in grace and the, the personality of Jesus and knowing him through the word of God, John 15, if you abide in him and his words are abiding in you, and then you begin to realize what grace is. Grace gives you the power to overcome sin. Grace gives you the power to live holy. Grace gives you the power to be righteous. Grace will teach you to deny worldly impulses and live for Jesus. But in the process of your discipleship, in the process of you waking up to the Lord, your heart will condemn you. Because it talks about in Romans chapter 6 and all these things that you have an old man that's attached to you. And the old man, the old man is a way of thinking. The old man is a way of thinking. And the way of thinking is that sin consciousness. You are no longer a sinner saved by grace. Listen to me. You are not a sinner saved by grace. People say that. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you're a new species of being that never existed before. The sinner is gone. It's gone. It's gone. You're not a sinner. The sinner is gone. You're a brand new species of being that never existed before in the spirit. You're recreated, regenerated in the spirit. You are not a sinner. Praise God. A lot of people say, I'm just a sinner like everybody else. I need Jesus like everybody else. No, you're a saint. He didn't call you a sinner. Nowhere in the New Testament does he call his saints sinners, saved by grace. He says you are a saint. You are righteous. You are the righteousness of God. You are a new species of being that never existed before, changed to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, our man, our righteous, or, or excuse me, our natural man, the way of thinking, has that body of sin tied to it. And that's where Paul said, oh my goodness. He said, who will deliver me from this body of sin? How am I going to do all these things? What's going to happen? Then he said, thanks be to God who always leads us in his triumph. Thanks be to God who always sets us at victory. Thanks be to God. And, and Paul goes into all that and says, who's going to set me free from all this stuff that I've encountered? Now, I've got to literally say this to you in Jesus' name. You must train your heart to believe rightly. If you do not train your heart to believe rightly, you're going to get under all this stuff thinking, I got to do more to get more. I got to pray more to get more. Man, we need to be fired up. We need to be aggressive. We need to quit being so politically, politically correct in the body of Christ and start bringing the Holy Ghost out loud and proud. We need to do all these things, yet it must be from the finished works of Jesus. The foundation of our righteousness is in him and him alone. Jesus plus anything equals nothing in your righteousness experience. I'll say it again. Jesus plus anything you're doing, you're trying, you're trying to be better to get more equals nothing. Jesus plus your efforts equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing. And you put all your faith in him. You put all your righteousness in him. You renew your mind to what's done in him. I'll tell you what, that is how winning is done. Now people say, wait a second. You're saying if I believe like this, if I believe like this, then that means simply that I can't, uh, that I can't, uh, what's the right word? I, I, I could just sin and grace will abound? Uh, are you saying that I can just sin and do whatever I want and grace will abound? Is that what you're saying to me? No. However, that is the same question they asked Paul the Apostle 
three separate times in the New Testament. They asked him that three separate times. They kept asking Paul, wait a second, are you saying that we can sin and grace will just abound? And Paul had to come back at them and say, by no means. Paul was so angry answering that question that he was almost using profanity. That's how strong the Greek is when Paul responded to that question. But listen, if you are not getting those kind of questions when you're preaching the gospel, if people are not asking that kind of question, from you, if they're not saying, are you saying that we can sin and grace will abound? If that question is not being asked when you're preaching, you are not preaching what Paul preached. True. Boom. True. If people do not ask you when you preach the gospel, when you get done preaching the fundamentals of the gospel, if the question doesn't come up to people, are you saying I can sin and God's grace just got me covered? Is that what you're saying? The answer is, no, that is not what I'm saying. But if that question does not rise up inside people, you're not preaching what Paul preached. Now, that'll really mess up some people's feathers. Praise God. That's like petting a pigeon backwards. You know, but I got to say to you, Jesus really wants you to win. And you got to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ has come to set you at liberty. It's come to set you free from sin, not to sin. But it sounds backwards because anything you preach in the flesh, you got to do this. You got to get holy. You got to pray. You got to fast. You got to cry out day and night. People that are religious go, amen, amen, amen. Because, because the, the, the flesh loves works. The flesh loves to do things to be pleasing. The flesh loves to earn it. Even if it can't do it, even if it says I can't do it, even if it hurts, even if it puts heavy burdens and weights, the flesh loves that because the law is carnal. Doing and trying is carnal. Now the law is the perfect. Listen to me. The law is not sinful or wrong. I'm not saying that. The law is the perfect example of living a spiritually perfect life in the natural. Jesus had to fulfill the law in the natural so he could give it to us freely because he knew we couldn't do it. That's the deal. But the law is perfect, but the law is carnal, praise God. The law is carnal, and in other words, it's the spiritual standard for living set into natural rules. And we can't fulfill the spirit in the natural. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Praise God. You need Jesus. And that's the whole deal we're talking about. Now, there's a lot I want to say to you guys yet, man. We're rocking and rolling on the gospel train this morning. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is your righteousness. And when you get this in your heart, it'll set you free to do more, to live more. And it's like you're walking around loaded all the time. You're walking around ready to do what God has called you to do. Praise God. And you get this foundation in place. And then you get filled with the Holy Ghost. Then you're walking in the power of God. Then you're doing these things, but you know your identity first. Here's what religion does. Religion powers people up with the Holy Ghost. Religion gets you rocking. It gets you doing all these things. And, and you want to do more. And you're trying to run down these roads. You're trying to do all these things. But at the end of the day, religion will not pay off in the end. You always think, I got to do more. I got to pray harder. I got to live more dedicated. I got to do these things and it will not pay off for you because your foundation's broken. You got to have your foundation right first and then do whatever he tells you to do. And then it's not burdensome. Jesus said, my commandments are not burdensome. My yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Praise God. That's how it is living with Jesus. Praise God. We can't resist sin to the point of bloodshed unless we get this right. People say, you got to resist sin to the point of bloodshed. Yeah, there's a reason people in the New Testament could go out to the lions, be fed to the lions, and sing. 
and, and say, praise God, today's my wedding day, is what some of the martyrs would say as they burned at the stake. And the reason they could do that is because they knew Jesus. They had the grace of God alive in their heart. It wasn't through their works. Now, we read that in, in history. We read that, and immediately, New Testament believers and, and Christians that don't have this revelation, they read that, and they harden themselves on the inside and say, I need to be tough like them. They weren't tough. They were people just like you and me. These New Testament believers weren't tough. Yeah, they were tough, of course. We all have to have mental toughness and all these things. I get it. Willpower, yes. But these people weren't necessarily tough. They weren't a lot different than we are. They just had a revelation of Jesus. And when you have a revelation of Jesus, it gives you the horsepower to stand against unspeakable things, to do things that in the natural, you just go, whoa, whoa, I could never do that. You're right. In the natural, you can. But when you have a revelation of Jesus and you know he's your righteousness, you know that's it. It's settled in him. I've got to tell you, you can do anything in him, in the finished works of Jesus. In the finished works of Jesus, you can do anything when you have a revelation of him. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to God. This is the deal. I'm giving you good steak this morning. If, if this is the only message, if somebody said, what's the last message you'd ever preach? If, if this was your last day on earth to preach the message, what would it be? It'd be this one. It'd be this one, because everything else is like a spoke coming off the hub. Everything else is a spoke coming off the hub of the wheel. Anything else we do is that comes off the, the axle or the spoke off the hub of the wheel, which is this message right now. This is the gospel. This is the complete gospel. When you get this in you and you understand it, and you hear the correctness of this preached, it'll come alive in you and start to work through you. When this is working through you, now you're in the complete gospel. You're not just in, oh, I've heard the gospel. I know Jesus saves. Man, I'll tell you what, I speak in tongues. I pray an hour a day. I do this and this and this. And God's clapping his hands going, bravo. Well, good for you. But when you say, God, I am in Jesus and his words are in me and I'm standing in him and he is my righteousness today. I approach your throne of grace with boldness because Jesus gave me the, the boldness to enter in boldly to stand before you because of the son of the living God. Ladies and gentlemen, we are children of the living God. You are children of the living God. We are children of the living God. Our God is a living God. He's a consuming fire. He's all these things and we have access to his greatness through Jesus, through the finished works of Jesus Christ. And when you get this understanding inside your heart, inside your spirit, it'll set you free, not just from sin. It'll set you free to discover your destiny. It'll set you free to live freely and lightly and do all you're called to do. Listen to me. This is the complete gospel. This is how winning is done. This is the identity we have as believers. This is your identity I'm talking about. We're not... I this is your identity. When you know Jesus, this is your identity. This is it. It's this simple. You keep all the commandments, all 613 of them, in your sleep. You keep the Sabbath in your sleep. You keep all the feasts in your sleep. You keep all these things pleasing before the Lord because he is, he is our Sabbath. He is all the feasts point to Jesus. All these things, all the way that the tabernacles were built, all the things, they all point to Jesus. And why, you know, if you want to learn about these things and go study that stuff, awesome. But if you're trying to do them to be righteous before God, then you're like literally what the Galatians were. They're bewitched. Don't go back under the law. Don't go back under performance. Don't go back under these things. Stay in the finished works of Jesus. Praise God. Go to Jesus. Jesus is your righteousness. The gospel is Jesus. Jesus is the gospel. And when you know him, 
and, and you hear the correct gospel preached and you believe it and you begin to exercise it, it becomes complete in you. Now the gospel's complete. I'm preaching the complete gospel to you. Praise God. So many people start out with this. Here's the thing about a revelation of Jesus is every form of religion, every form of belief system in this world is trying to oppose the revelation of Jesus. Everything you hear preached aside from living on the right side of the cross, living in your righteousness, knowing your identity is trying to steal that revelation of Jesus from you. Don't allow that. That's where we strive to enter his rest. That's where we strive to do what he's called us to do. We strive to stay in this revelation of Jesus. And when you do that, now you're walking in the completeness of the gospel. Now you can set people free from sin. Now you can begin to do this. And you just begin to walk this stuff out. Jesus is Lord. And he's Lord of your heart. And when you give him lordship over your heart, then your heart quits condemning you. And then God is greater than your heart. And then... As you, you give him lordship there and you keep renewing your mind or your heart to the finished works of Jesus, now you have confidence before God that gives you authority before God. When you speak things, you'll believe it. When you're commanding things, you'll believe it. You'll believe because you, you, you put more faith in what he's done for you than what you're doing for him. That's a word right there. Quit putting in faith in what you're doing for him and start putting faith in what he's done for you. I'm going to say that again. When you get confidence before God, it's because you're putting faith in what he did for you, not what you do for him. And the more you put faith in what he did for you, the more you're going to live strong, the more you're going to live alive. You're not going to get under the works and striving and all this stuff. You'll be set free from sin, not to sin. You'll be set free to live lightly and freely, and the power of God will give you all ability to do what you're called to do. Praise God. Study the word. I'm right. Some people say, I don't like this. Well, I don't care what you think. The word is true. Every man's a liar. The word is true. The word is true. These are Jesus's words. If you don't like it, it's Jesus's words. Go argue with him. Praise God. I'm right. I'm right. This is true. This is the gospel. If you don't like it, too bad. This is the gospel. I love you. I love you. If you're under law, be free from law. Be free from law today. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. What I'm preaching to you is the complete gospel. I'm right. This is correct. And if you begin to believe it, if you begin to believe it, it'll become complete in you. It'll come through you. Praise God. I know for a fact that I'm right. I've lived every different way. I've lived where I prayed for, you know, seven days a week. One time when I was in high school, I'd fast for a week at a time in high school. I'd fast for a week at a time. I'd read the whole New Testament. I'd, I'd drink coffee to stay awake. I'd do all these different things. I'd live as holy as I could possibly live. I'd discipline myself. I'd do these things and all that stuff. And at the end of it all, I lived all these different ways. I, I walked holy. I walked this way. I went way down different roads just trying to be pleasing to God. And I've got to tell you, I've discovered the gospel. I'm right. I'm right. Praise God. And at the end of the day, I know why Paul burned so bad for this gospel. He said, no, but I don't care what you guys think. This is my gospel. Paul called this his gospel. He said it's his gospel. And he took, he took ownership of it because he had a revelation of Jesus. And when the gospel becomes complete in you, you'll say, that's my gospel. That's my gospel. Jesus living in me, the hope of glory. Praise God. What I'm saying is right. It'll help you. You get your mind around this, you'll begin to live. And if what you've been doing and all that, what you've been living, what you've been saying does not give you liberty, it, it, it actually makes you feel like I got to perform more. You wake up in a cold sweat saying, I got to please God more. I got to do this. I got to try that. I got to try that. You got one foot in the Old Testament, one foot in the new, and you're trying to work it all out. I'll tell you what, it is not the gospel. You have a mixed gospel. If you have a mixed gospel, your heart will condemn you. If your heart's condemning you, you're in a mixed gospel. 
And the, the way out is you start training your mind to, to stand on the revelation of the finished works of Jesus. Train your heart to believe the finished works of Jesus. People say, ah, oh, it's that grace preaching. You, you'll set people uh, down a road where they get to go sin. You're going to give them a license to sin. Well, last time I checked, people didn't need a license to sin. They did whatever they wanted. Praise God. But you know what I found? I've had more people living in gross immorality come to the altar and literally get real changing power. They don't come to the altar screaming and crying, Oh God, forgive me, Jesus. They don't do that. You know what they do? They come and they get a revelation of their identity. I've seen people truly now, truly delivered of every form of immorality, every form of things that you can possibly imagine, and they truly get traction and horsepower where they are free. And it has lasting power, not just a, uh, an emotional time where they're in worship or they have a meeting and they hear hard preaching and their heart is hurt and they scream and they cry out and then they get no lasting results, praise God. But when you begin to pour this in, you pour in the purity of the gospel, the purity of your identity in Jesus Christ, what will begin to happen to you is you'll have long lasting Lasting, real change that, that really begins to change and God will begin to set you free in the name of Jesus. Praise God. I got to say to you, everybody, nobody's good enough. Nobody's good enough. You need Jesus. And when you put your faith, faith and favor in Jesus and you put your righteousness in Jesus, you say, my goodness, the devil comes to you and says, you're wrong. You're evil. You're this, you're that. You know what you do? You turn around and say, you're right. I'm not good enough, but thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. I say I'm righteous because of Jesus. And then you're no longer defending yourself to your performance to the devil or anybody. You just stand behind Jesus and say, look at him. I'm in him. I'm righteous because of him. What he did. And Jesus looks at him like, you got a problem, boy? That's how Jesus looks at sin and condemnation, all that stuff. You get your righteousness in him. And when you begin to renew your mind and, you, and your identity starts to set and you say, look, I'm the righteousness of God. I am righteous. I am righteous. I am righteous. I am righteous. And, and we have this mentality in the body of Christ where we're saying, you got to confess all your sins all the time. Man, if you're going down the road and your mind's a mess, you do need to confess your sin. Praise God. 1 John 1, 9 was not written to Gnostics. I, I know a lot of people preach that, but look, I study the Greek. That is not what it says, okay? And I know it, it would be really nice and it would fit really nice for the grace teaching, but it's just not true. Unfortunately, it's not true, okay? It doesn't even, uh, it doesn't even contextually make sense to say that that was preached to Gnostics in 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9 was to believers. Listen to me carefully. 1 John 1, 9 was to believers and he was saying to believers, repent. Okay, but it's not repentance to get your salvation back. Okay, it's repentance to get your mind in order. It's repentance to say, I'm going down the wrong path. I'm misbehaving. I'm doing all these things and I need to get my heart right. So I'm in 1 John chapter 3 again, where it says, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. But if beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence with God. We need to get back into confidence with God. And that comes through repentance. Repentance is a, a turning, a changing of our way of thinking to begin to think, man, my way of doing things is really bad. And I need to line back up with the righteousness that Jesus has already provided for me. I need to line up in my mind and get my heart right so I quit being condemned and I get my heart right before God so I'm not condemned and I can walk in my own authority. But God is not condemning you. Your heart does the condemning and people mistake their heart for the Holy Ghost and it's not the same. We say sometimes the Holy Ghost is condemning me. He's just, he's just so on me right now to change this. It's your own heart. Your own heart, your own heart, your own heart, your own heart. Praise God. If you receive Jesus 
in your heart and you've decided, I'm going to take on Jesus. I've traded my life for him. I've become a dedicated disciple to Jesus. The only way you lose your salvation is if you choose to. You don't lose your salvation accidentally or because you sinned so hard. The only sin that you can lose your salvation over is the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ. And I believe there's a lot of scripture for that in Hebrews and Romans and all this. So, no, the answer is no. If you're saying, I'm with Jesus, your heart is sensitized towards Jesus, you're wanting to walk towards Jesus, and you sin and you mess up all the time, you're saved, you're just a disaster. And you need to repent of that. You need to get your heart right. Stop letting your heart condemn you. Stop letting your heart mislead you. And start getting under Jesus. Get your identity right. We need to start confessing our righteousness because when you're righteous, you say, I'm righteous. I don't sin. His seed is incorruptible. It's in me. I don't sin. And you begin to build your identity on that. And then when sin comes up, it'll be, you'll start to turn away from it. But if you're always like, I'm not a sinner. I'm not, I'm fighting this sin. No, you flee from it, the Bible says, and you build your identity in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I just want to say clearly to everybody, Jesus wants to touch you. I break chains of religion off every person today. Every bit of religion that begins to fight you, that has fought you, that has attacked you, I begin to break the chains of that off of you right now. Everybody that's been abused by religion, everybody that's been attacked by religion, I command life and favor over you in the name of Jesus right now. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants you to win. Jesus wants life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. I speak... Thank you for listening to this message. For more resources, visit josephz.com. Become a partner today and help us build lives by the Word of God. A strength by the Holy Ghost, just a, a life of confidence over you. A life of confidence over you in Jesus' name. A life of confidence over you in Jesus' name. Many of us are trying to think, if I just do it this way, if I do it that way, if I try something new here, if I just try this and I try that, stop that. Cease your striving and know he is God. Be still and know he is God. As it says in Psalm 46, be still and know he is God. The oceans roar, the nations rage, all these things happen. Quit watching the news and get still before God. It's time to get still before God in the name of Jesus. God is touching the people of God. He is ministering life to you right now. He is wanting you to live a life of fullness before Jesus. He's wanting you to live a life of completeness before him in the name of Jesus. The blessing of the Lord, the hand of God is on you. The favor of God is on you right now. Do not be afraid of your calling. I hear somebody that's afraid of their calling in the name of Jesus. There are people that have been afraid of their calling, and I just literally, I break that fear off you. I break anxiety off of you in the name of Jesus. Do not be afraid of your calling. Do not be afraid of your mandate. Do not be afraid of what God has, has asked you to do. I see favor coming on you. It's impossible with man, but all things are possible with God. I begin to release favor over you right now in the name of Jesus. This is the hour. This is the time of your visitation. This is the time where you step into all God's called you to do. In Jesus' name, I release a filling of the Holy Spirit today. A fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. That the people of God will be full of the Holy Ghost. Walking in the fullness of Jesus. Walking in the fullness of the revelation of Jesus. Today is the day for victory. Today is the day of increase. Today is the day where you have uh, overcoming horsepower walking through your heart and mind. In Jesus' name. Today is the day for life and life more abundantly. Listen to me. I come against everything that's stopping you and trying to hinder you for doing all that God's calling you to do in the name of Jesus. 
Thank you for listening to this message. For more resources, visit josephz.com. Become a partner today and help us build lives by the Word of God. Thank you.